Well, it is good to be with y'all. Uh, Julie and I have been gone for a couple of weeks. Two weeks ago today, we were up in uh, Sacramento with Drew and Jen and their kids. We got to hang with them a little bit, too much fun. And, and I had the opportunity to preach at Vintage Grace. For those of you who've been around here, a church we planted in Sacramento about eight years ago. And there is a thriving church up there. And it was so fun to, uh, as Drew introduced me. He talked again about RCC and the impact we've had on his life and really their church was the, the expression of uh, our love for promoting the gospel. It was really fun to hear him talk. Now, in two weeks from today, Drew and Jen and all three of their kids will be here uh, that Sunday morning on Labor Day weekend, and uh, he'll, be, he'll be preaching here at, uh, at RCC. Now, broken world, man alive, it just feels like it, it never ends. Thinking of the folks in uh, Afghanistan, thinking of the folks in Haiti, trusting that uh, uh, folks will reach out to help, praying particularly for those believers in those countries, that they will present the hope of Christ to people facing, again, the kind of difficulties that uh, my sense is most of us know very, very little about. Pretty fortunate here living in uh, these United States. Hey, we got a concert tonight. Rock and roll, no preaching, 6 o'clock, out <laughs> under the tent. We've got some of these cards, but we, we talk about a broken world. You know, the, our neighbors, they're broken if they don't have Christ. Now, they maybe got a nice car and a beautiful home, but they're broken without Jesus. This is an event intended for us to have fun and intended for us to invite our neighbors to. A non-threatening way to come to a church and maybe build some relationships, but, but, but we are, are, are going to rock and roll. We got a, a band. Hey, mister, if you were here on the 4th of July, <laughs> absolutely, that is a great band. And, and we're going to rock the house tonight, John, is that fair to say? We're going to have ice cream, we're going to have kids, and then there's also a local uh, artist, uh, uh, pretty well-known uh, Tom Clark, that's going to be here doing a painting live. So this is a fun event, but we got some of these, hand them out to some friends, neighbors, or invite them, bring them, but this is a great way to, to get connected with church. Now, we got two more weeks in our summer series uh, today, and then next week we'll finish it up. And, and Johnny and I are doing something a little different here today. We're actually uh, sharing in, in bringing this message. This is, I think, a, a particular passion that, that we, we both share. And uh, uh, all the subjects this summer have to do with what's going on in our life and our culture. I will tell you, I, I think this is the greatest immediate threat to what we call the evangelical church, what we're dealing with. This is the one not just out there where we have to do, but this is one that is now uh, infiltrated, uh, infiltrated uh, the church. So we're going to talk about progressive Christianity is the term. Absolutely. And it's good to be with you guys. I'm usually up with students, so this is lovely to be with you guys. So uh, thanks for having me. Lovely? How That's, old are you? This is guys so your age don't say lovely. What in the world is it? Lovely? <laughs> That's, what my, That's what my dad used to say. <laughs> What am I supposed to say? It's rad. I don't, I don't even know what the cool words are anymore. It's, hey, so, so as, we, as we start with progressive Christianity, uh, in a lot of our conversation, the, I think there's a lot of people who have breaking points in their faith. Where You kind of at a crossroads in terms of determining if this faith is trustworthy, if Christ really is trustworthy. Ha, have you ever had an experience like that? Yeah, and most of these guys, you've heard it from me, but I'm in seminary, a guy teaches me how to read the Bible, how to read, and we're applying it to the Bible, and I see this expression of faith in the Bible, joy, a passion that I just didn't have even though I was in seminary. 
And, and my conclusion is one of two things. Either Christianity is not true or I don't have it. So I'm back in seminary, and for, for you younger people, I went to a room where they have lots of books called a library. You couldn't go to Google. <laughs> Never I, been. I, 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 yeah, I had to go research this stuff, and I threw myself as objectively as I could into this. Is the Bible trustworthy? Because Christianity stands or falls on the Bible. So as I'm looking at that yeah. researching this, I become overwhelmed with the evidence that this book is unlike any other piece of literature in all of history. There's nothing in antiquity that, that comes close to this. It actually is the word of God, so then was led to the conclusion that it is true, the Bible yep. is true, I just hadn't experienced it. But I'm in a place in my life, early 20s, just got married, where again, I'm considering that the Bible may be bogus. Yep. I mean, it's a serious, serious consideration because it was not working for me. Right. But that process, you would say, is was essential in you coming to have a strong faith. It's the very foundation of my faith. It's why I love the Bible. Yep. I don't worship the Bible. I'm convinced it's God's primary means of telling us who he is and yeah. how life works because yep. I looked at it myself. Yep. yep. No, I had a similar experience. Uh, in college, I'm working up at Force Home. If you guys have ever been up there and week in and week out, I'd have kids who would either be of a different religion or have parents who are of a different religion. And every week they would ask me, hey, am I or is my parent going to hell? Um, and, and, and for me, that, that, that just caused me, to, to, it. Yeah, caused me to step back uh, and, and ask this question, is Jesus truly the only way? Um, emotionally, really difficult. I was hanging with two Latter-day Saint guys yesterday, right? Emotionally, hard to just say, because you believe differently, you're going to hell. Um, it, that, that's, it just feels rude. It feels arrogant. And, and so, so you didn't say it yesterday. I did not say it yesterday. <laughs> I took your approach. Be a little bit more gentle and loving. Uh, and, and so it's just, but, but for both of us, that, that was foundational in us coming to a, a confident and, and strong faith. As we share today, you got two guys that have questioned whether yeah. this Christianity thing is real. That's yep. where both of us have come from. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so as we, as we walk into progressive Christianity, uh, it's a lot like evangelicalism in some ways in, in terms of there's a lot of people who believe different things in this camp. Uh, we believe different things in terms of baptism and how it gets applied. But these people, they, they are not all in unison. So what we're going to do is we're going to start very general. And the most general way you can start is Wikipedia. So naturally. <laughs> so, so we're, we're going to start there. And then, and then we're really going to get into some of the specifics, the, their core beliefs uh, that, that, that really separate themselves. So this, this is how Wikipedia describes it. It says, progressive Christianity represents a postmodern theological approach and is not necessarily synonymous with progressive politics. It developed out of the liberal Christianity of the modern era, which was rooted in the Enlightenment thinking. As such, progressive Christianity is a post-liberal movement within Christianity that seeks to reform the faith via the insights of post-modernism and a reclaiming of the truth beyond the verifiable historicity and factuality of the passages in the Bible by affirming the truths within the stories that may not have actually happened. So, so very, very general description, but, but I, I think this next section will help. But what, what is it that these people really at their core believe? But as a general description of yep. that, we affirm Wikipedia. It feels <laughs> yes. like to us got it pretty accurate. Yep. But, but I want to affirm uh, what he's already shared. It, it's tough. What we're going to try and describe here, what we uh, believe to be the primary tenets Progressive Christianity, but you might find exceptions to that again among folks. That, yep. but, but this is the, the primary thing. The, the first one there is just Scripture is a good source. It's a valuable source, but it's not completely authoritative or reliable. 
And so they have to figure out what part to trust and what not. They love it. They use it. It is a great, great tool for them. It's a valuable tool, but not completely authoritative. And when they talk about Christianity, association with Jesus is the key. They wouldn't use, I don't think, and don't mean by trust, belief. They will use that verbiage. Uh, but they don't mean the same thing that we do exactly. It's about Jesus was a great role model of God's love. He, he gave us an example of how Christians ought to behave. And it's extraordinarily valuable. And we would agree with it being a valuable role model. Now, Scripture is the foundation of this. And we emphasized that earlier. Because their theology just flows from their view of Scripture. So they hold the scripture more loosely than we do, which means they're going to have theologies that are likely different. Well, they are different from <laughs> ours. And so many, what we would call uh, historical orthodox. Orthodox, we just mean the way the church has held for 2,000 years, things that are essential to the faith, the major things. Those are held much more loosely uh, uh, by, by progressive Christianities, including the authority of Scripture, the person of Christ, the nature of the crucifixion. We're going to get into this more as we go today. Uh, we would suggest that that is actually the primary one. What Jesus did upon the cross, they have a very different view of what got accomplished there than we do. And we would call that the center of our, our, our faith. The resurrection, many believe Jesus rose from the dead, but not necessarily essential. And, and it moves to that really all people go to heaven. And, and the core of that is for most of them, again, there's variances within this, uh, most of them hold that Jesus and, and his death were an example of how loving God is, but it really wasn't necessary. Now, we're going to pull this apart a little more. It was a beautiful example of how loving we should all be, but it's not actually essential and therefore not foundational to, to people getting saved. There's others within progressive Christianity that believe Jesus' death was, in fact, the means of people getting saved. They just hold that every that, that blood of, of Christ gets applied to everybody. So everybody is, is good. Everybody's going to enjoy uh, uh, eternity uh, with God. And again, it, it's, it's rooted in their view of Scripture, right? They hold to it more loosely than we do in terms of its authority, which leads to, to this different theology, which leads to the way they live it out, the way they express it. And, and that, that theology is really appealing, by the way. That nobody goes why to it, hell? Yeah. It's appealing it is, to me. This is why it's steamrolling in our culture. Uh, but, but as you tell, the, these convictions that they have, what they believe is absolutely going to be express, expressed in the way they live. And th there's one word that's really at the center of what we have found to be with, with progressives. It's love. They, they, they it's just, a good word. It's a great word, right? They, they seek to be more loving. Um, and, and how they express that looks like this. They are going to affirm the LGBTQ plus community. That they will accept, they will not ask to change, they just take them as they are, and, and, and that is a huge shift. Um, they, they love to stand for social justice. Um, and, and I love this. Anybody who's broken, anybody yep. who's hurting, yep. they desperately care about that. that. That is a great way to express their Christians love. ought to be helping hurting people. Ab absolutely, absolutely. Right? And, and just one of the ways is, is embracing critical race theory. Um, and, and this is, this is big. They're going to promote an openness and, and a minimal boundary approach to Christianity. And, and what that means is because there's not of a lot of essential doctrines that you need to have, uh, there's going to be a lot of flexibility with one progressive and another progressive, and neither of them care. It's all good. It's so all good. It, it, it doesn't matter what you believe because not a lot is essential. And it comes down to this, that denial of faith 
in Christ as essential. It, it's just, it's optional. You, you can belong if, if you do not have faith in Christ. It's good. Yep. Now, what are the contemporary origins? And we're going to talk about this a, a, a little more. Now, for those of you who are older and been paying attention, you, you remember the term emergent church? Uh, we would suggest that the progressive Christianity is a derivation. Some of you guys yeah. maybe remember the names Rob Bell, Brian McLaren, and Mark Driscoll. I would suggest to you 30 years ago they were at the forefront of this. Mark Driscoll years ago broke off from the other two, I think because he figured out their theology is what it is, and we'll pull that apart a little more. Uh, Mark Driscoll, uh, in our estimation, is orthodox theology. Now, for those of you who are aware of who he is, He's had some other problems, but, but his, his theology is fair, fairly orthodox. But those other guys, it became called the post-evangelical movement for a while. Again, it's loose, right? It's out there. But, but the term that is most used by most of these folks today is, is progressive Christianity. You can Google it. They, there's even a progressive Christianity web, website. Now, I don't know how those in the progressive movement, how representative they think the website is of their <laughs> views, but, but, yep. but, but, but it's out there. The contemporary orig origins, they view God as pictured in the Old Testament is inaccurate. Now this flows again from their scripture, but this God that has people killed, God just would never do that. that that's just a mean God. That's really not a loving God. And God that is so full of love, he, he would have never had it. Now for us, we have to work through the progressive revelation, not to be confused with progressive Christianity, but how God over centuries revealed who he was to the Israelites and through the scriptures. And you get bits and pieces, but wrestling with how, how do we understand what God was doing And back there's there. been challenging texts for you to read in the Old Testament. There right? are lots we, of them. We look at some and we say, ugh. That's hard to interpret. God, why'd you put that in there? At this but point, we, it's less yes. difficult for uh, us. Yeah. <laughs> but we are happy to work through that stuff sure. with you. Uh, we, they view evangelicals as arrogant, judgmental, and harsh. There's a lot of their assessment of evangelicalism that we wouldn't necessarily disagree with. Yeah. Uh, uh, this particularly feels like, to me, has often been true of those who yeah. would share our, our doctrine about, about Christ and, and death, but how we express that sometimes is, is, is not Christ-like. The church has not been a safe place to ask questions. If you read these guys and they share their stories, they grew up in evangelicalism and they were simply just told to believe this. If they were told, if they asked questions, they were told, don't you question that. Just believe it and accept it and go on your life and be nice to your neighbors and vote Republican and, and all of life will be, <laughs> will be good. And, and, and you see a common thread of their past experience of unpleasant, and we would say not at all what we want to do here. Not we want to promote questions and, yep. and, and all that. And, and they would say that the church has not been that diligent in promoting the gospel that they say they embrace. If you die without Christ, you're going to hell. And yet they look at evangelicals and say, it doesn't feel like they're taking that very seriously. They're at home watching their big screen TV and, and ordering takeout and going to ball games and just living their life and watching Netflix. And it doesn't feel like they're taking that very seriously. Again, there's much of their assessment of evangelicalism that Johnny and I feels like is pretty valid in terms of what they see those of us with a, a different view of, of, of Scripture and of Christ how that gets, gets lived out. So the reality is I've talked to you what I would say in my life now about the last 30 years you've been picking up steam, yeah. but the reality is? Oh, it's not even close to being new. This is, uh, this is not new at all. I mean, you, you think about Paul. Um, this, is, this is written years after Christ rose from the dead, and here's what he's already teaching and encouraging. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching 
But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Uh, Here's the reality. As long as the truth and scripture has been there, there have been people who want to take some of scripture and leave out others. It's it's just the perfect way to do it. I mean, think about even the, the garden temptation. Satan tempts Eve with, did God really say? What else are we wrestling with? And, and this is the same question, did God really say? And when you come to the conclusion, no, you're, you're kind of allowed to stretch these boundaries. It's not as exclusive. And so, so this is big, but let's just look at the first four centuries, right? A couple quotes from church fathers. This is from Augustine. You ought to say plainly that you do not believe the gospel of Christ, for to believe what you please and to not believe what you please is to believe yourselves and not the gospel. Right, right. This is really the core of what they're doing is they are making themselves the determiner of what is right and wrong or true or false. Um, that, that, that's a very, very scary position that I, I don't think or we don't think they're we, aware of. I don't want to be in that. And they don't realize they're not, that. They're not aware of it. Um, and, and this is another one. This is what Irenaeus says. These men falsify the oracles of God and prove themselves evil interpreters of the good word of revelation. They also overthrow the faith of many by drawing them away under a pretense of knowledge from him who founded and adorned the universe as if they had something more excellent and sublime to reveal. Now, here's the challenge. They're going to use a lot of the same words, a lot of the same language that we do. Uh, And so for somebody who's not familiar with scripture, they hear these words of God and love, and, and they must think, this is trustworthy. And so this is why so many people are, are starting to follow this, is it's under a Christian label. They're talking about scripture. They're not applying it like we do. They're using the name of God. There's a lot that sounds very similar, uh, but when you start to dig deeper, it's a little bit different than what Orthodox Christianity believes. And, and what we mean by orthodox, that, that's just right, what, what Christianity has traditionally been, um, been holding to over the last 2,000 years. So please hear Johnny and I as we talk about this. We're trying to give you a sense of their views. We're trying to be fair. We make no judgments about their motives. Yeah. As we read these people, they feel to us like they have positive motives. Yep. We, we don't feel like they're deliberately trying to mislead people. They believe they have a better view of who God is, a view that has God more loving than, than, than we see him. And, and so there's, yeah. there's, there's no condemnation, no judgment at all in, in terms of, of that. Yeah. But you should hear from us an appraisal of their thinking yeah. and of their use of scripture and the conclusions theologically in terms of their expression. Mm-hmm. We just believe they are not what, what, what yeah. God intends. So now what we're going to do is we're going to switch. And you guys know Orthodox. Just what, what are the central tenets of faith? And we, we got a list of them here. But as we go through this, part of what, what we're going to do is I'm going to put up quotes because I want, I want you to see how some of the well-known folks in progressive Christianity do not hold to what we would consider essential doctrines of the faith. And, 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 and this is the difference. So if we talk about this, first of all, Scripture is the inspired Word of God, and we believe it's completely reliable. This yep. is what we've checked yeah. out, and, and if it weren't, I'd walk away from the faith. If somebody can show me a mistake in Scripture, I'll walk away from it, encourage everybody I know to walk away from it. Our faith stands and falls on the credibility of the biblical text. And if this is something you haven't checked out for yourself, you're wondering about, come see us, we'll send yeah. you to some resources. But check this out. This stands and falls on, is the Bible uh, reliable? 
Paul said, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Now the Bible testifying to itself, Paul here is actually talking about the Old Testament, not the New Testament. Some would suggest this is circular reasoning. Maybe, but there's all kinds of objective evidence out there. If you want to look at the research, we, we will give it. There have been people out there, Lee Strobel, Josh McDowell, who set out to disprove the truth of the Bible. And in fact, as they looked at the evidence objectively, act, actually became convinced of it. And if you've not done that, go do that. But, but here's again, this is the foundation of it. Please hear us say this. This is foundation of where we differ with progressive Christianity. And I, I got some quotes here. Peter Enns, a pretty well-known uh, uh, guy. People would call him a, a Bible scholar and theologian. The Bible is an ancient book and we shouldn't be surprised to see it act like one. So seeing God portrayed as a violent tribal warrior is not how God is. He's talking about scriptures here. They're not, the Old Testament biblical authors aren't actually describing who God is. That's what he's saying. Uh, a, a tribal warrior is not how God is, but how he was understood to be by the ancient Israelites communing with God in their time and place. Here's what he's saying. The Old Testament writers got it wrong. This is Brian Zod, a, a, a fairly famous, uh, a well-known uh, um, pastor in, in Missouri. The Old Testament is the inspired. Now notice, we believe he's inspired. He's using the word inspired. What Johnny referenced, they'll use a lot of the language. Notice he doesn't mean by inspired what we mean. The Old Testament is the inspired telling of the story of Israel coming to know their God. It's a process. We believe that. Progressive revelation. God doesn't evolve, we believe that. But Israel's understanding of God obviously does. We believe all that. It seems obvious, though, that we should accept that as Israel was in the process of receiving the revelation of Yahweh, some unavoidable assumptions were made. One of the assumptions was that Yahweh shared the violent attributes of other deities worshipped in the ancient Near East. These assumptions were inevitable, but they were wrong. Again, the Old Testament writers got at least a portion of it Wrong. Richard Rohr, a Franciscan friar, a fairly well-known voice in this, this world again. The Jewish scriptures, which are full of anecdotes of destiny, failure, sin, and grace, offer almost no, almost no self-evident philosophical or theological conclusions that are always true. Here's what he's saying. We can't really get theology from the Old Testament. That's what he's saying. Now he's going to talk about the New Testament. We, have, we, we even have four often conflicting versions of the life of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There is not one clear theology of God. Here's what he's saying. We can't really get an accurate picture of God, Jesus, or history presented despite our attempt to pretend there is. So this is the foundational issue. They view scripture differently. They pick and choose uh, 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 what, what they think is there. There's one God who is holy and loving. They will say this but they will diminish the holiness piece and elevate, they think elevate, we'll pull this apart a little more, to elevate the love piece. They're, they're gonna diminish the holiness and the implications of that. We are not holy, these are our ideas, right? Uh, uh, there is one God who is holy and loving. For us, there creates some tension in our heads. We don't believe there's any tension in God in terms of his holiness and love. They feel integrated. For us, sometimes, it can in our heads, created a little tension and we want to wrestle through that. But we are not holy, we are all sinners. Here's the biggest difference between us and them. We have a problem that only God can solve. And sin must be paid for. God's holiness demands it. The implication for those who are sinners and aren't holy is that they're gonna head 
for hell. Now, I'm going to give you some quotes again to demonstrate that folks of the progressive uh, uh, thinking and movement don't believe this. How many of you have heard of Rob Bell? You guys know Rob Bell? Okay. This is a quote from Love Wins. I, he, I think this was published about 10 years ago. I've read, I think, six quotes from this book. I've not read that many quotes from any other book in my pastoral history. <laughs> and it was to warn of this 10 years ago, and the momentum of this movement has just picked yeah. up. A staggering number of people have taught that a select few Christians will spend forever in a peaceful, joyous place called heaven, while the rest of humanity spends forever in torment and punishment in hell, with no chance for anything better. It's been clearly communicated to many that this belief is a central truth of Christianity, uh, of Christian faith, and to reject it is, in essence, to reject Jesus. We would both affirm what he just said, wouldn't we? Yep. We would. This is misguided, and notice this next word, toxic. Rob Bell is calling our theology toxic and ultimately subverts the contagious spread of Jesus' message of love, peace, forgiveness, and joy that our world so desperately needs. Back to Brian Zant. Jesus certainly did not lay the foundation for an afterlife theology that claims all non-Christians go to hell. This has become a common way of thinking about heaven and hell. Christians go to heaven, non-Christians go to hell. But it is not based on anything Jesus ever said. <laughs> So let's go to Jesus' words. <laughs> How about just one quote? Yeah. <laughs> again, Johnny and I were working. We had quotes yeah. from Scripture. We had quotes from ever. We, we, again, come see us. We got, we got a lot more stuff. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe, you guys see those words, is condemned. They don't believe it. Because he has not believed in the name of the Holy Son of God. John, later in that same chapter, the writer of the book, picks it up and says this. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God remains on him. Now, I love this. Uh, some of you know the name Christian Hitchens. He's a, he's a fairly famous atheist, but he actually coined this term anti-theist because <laughs> atheist wasn't strong enough for him. He, he wanted to be even opposed, not just to Christianity, but all religions. So he's not just an atheist, he's an anti-theist. But even he, this atheist, gets what's at the essence of Christianity. I would say that if you don't believe that Jesus of Nazareth was the Christ and Messiah and that he rose again from the dead and by his sacrifice our sins are forgiven, you're really not in any meaningful sense a Christian. We think he's right. (laughs) We think that's the essence of Christianity, but that's where these progressive Christians differ from from our view of of what this is. And again, our view is again, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is the answer. One and done, Jesus paid for our sins. He paid for it all. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. 700 years before Jesus died, it was predicted that there would be a sacrifice, a punishment that would take God's wrath in our place. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are 
healed. Now this is again, as we look at it, other places that we would call significant theological places that we disagree with these guys, but this is the big one. What did the death of Christ mean? We would call that soteriology. I would suggest it's the biggest part of our theology. When Christ died, what actually happened and what's the significance? It's where we differ with Roman Catholics in terms of what actually happened and how that gets applied to us. Here's Rob Bell. God didn't need the blood of sacrifices. People did. Again, what he's saying is Jesus really didn't have to die. He did it to be a great role model. God didn't need to kill someone to be happy with humanity. What kind of God would that be? The God we believe that is presented in Scripture, look at what Rob Bell, Rob Bell calls that. He calls it awful and horrific. A God who would demand that sacrifice of his son. This is Richard Rohr again. I believe Jesus' death on the cross is a revelation of the infinite and participatory love of God, a great example of how much God loves us. Not some bloody payment required by God's offended justice to rectify the problem of sin. Such a storyline is way too small and problem-oriented. Jesus came to change the mind of humanity about God. There was no transaction necessary. There was not a blood sacrifice necessary. We believe it was absolutely essential. Without Jesus dying, we would end up in hell. Now, this is William Paul Young, and I put it up there. You guys heard of the book, The Shack? I had lots of people read it, and when I read it, I went, it made me uncomfortable, but I couldn't clearly see in it in this theology. I'm uncomfortable with people putting a body on the Father and the Holy Spirit. There's reason for 2,000 years why theologians don't do that, the mystery and incomprehensibility of God. Jesus, the incarnation, came to us, but... That was intentional. <laughs> Baby uncomfortable. But later, here, here's what he said, because this is his theology, progressive Christianity. One of, the, uh, one of the narratives about God is that because of sin, God required child sacrifice to appease a sense of righteous indignation and the fury of holiness, Jesus being the ultimate child sacrifice. Well, if God is like that, then doesn't it make sense that we would follow in God's footsteps, keep promoting child sacrifices? But we know intuitively that such a thought is wrong. Child sacrifices for us or for God. It, that, that such a thought is wrong. Desperately wrong. Again, their theology is Jesus went to the cross and he died simply to be a good example, but it didn't really make any difference and it was unnecessary. Now, even in personal conversations with folks who have been there, the question I ask then is, you have a God that allowed his son to die, but it wasn't necessary. I'm just going to tell you, if it wasn't necessary, that's a God I would abhor and I would disdain. Now, it's a God I love because Jesus' death was absolutely essential. And this is, this is the biggest place. And then forgiveness is available to all who treasure Jesus, and we must have faith. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. Whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, you guys see that all? By faith. Jesus did it all. We bring one simple thing. One. We just trust him. We just believe in him. We just love him. But we must believe. We must treasure. We must trust. That's the gospel of scripture. So again, it gets to expressions. We got this built upon the truth of who Scripture is, then we get a picture of who God is, and then it gets lived out. Absolutely, absolutely.
Now, it, Jesus was asked a question in the New Testament, well, what must I do to inherit salvation? And, and Jesus' answer was, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So here's what I love. Right? This expression from progressive Christianity was love. The, the expression that God desires from us is love. We mean very differently when we say love God and love people. So what, what we're going to do is we're going we're to juxtapose these. We're going to put one against the other and see what, what does it mean for, for us, Orthodox believers, to, to really say that we love God and what do they mean and then what do we mean by love others. And, and, and this is just the foundation. Like we said, they're, they're reading scripture or not reading scripture in a certain way that, that leads them to these conclusions about who God is. And, and this, is, this is, I think, to, to our best knowledge, what they would say to mean love God. Our best attempt to summarize what we think yeah. how they would how yeah. they challenging this. challenging but here, this Hard. is what we believe place god as a priority a priority in your life but that also means that it's okay to, to take bits and pieces of what you like about god aka his love and and maybe leave off these others of, of his holiness and his wrath uh and and if you do so because of this uh, minimal boundary approach you're good with us Right? You're good. We're not going to exclude you from, from this progressive Christian family. Uh, a full or accurate view of God, it's just not essential to loving him. Uh, that's challenging. I, any relationship that you're in, it would be hard to say I love you if you do not know them. Um, and so for, for them, we, we say, hey, we actually don't believe you know God as fully as you might think you do. And so we believe it's actually really challenging to love him. And, and when we say, hey, we, we actually love God, here, here's what we think scripture is, is saying, is this accurate, full picture of God is necessary for you to have a genuine faith. Uh, th- there are just core pieces of scripture, uh, including God's character, uh, that we must believe to be saved. And, and here's just a few of them. Uh, one, that he's eternal, that he's holy and loving, this combination of the two, that, that sin truly did separate us, and, and that it is, faith in Christ is absolutely, absolutely essential uh, to, to have a, an appropriate love for God, right? That's the foundation. How you view God, how you love God, will absolutely result in how you love and treat other people. And, and so here, here's how it's going to be expressed primarily from, from this progressive Christian point of view, is we are just going to accept you, right? That's appealing. I don't care who you are, what you're doing, where you've been, you are accepted here is what they will say. Now, one of the big shifts is what they won't do is they, they will not encourage you to think differently about God and, and they will not encourage you to live differently. That, that is a- Well, yeah. I think we wanna be careful there. Sure. I, th- I think they would encourage that it's just not, it's not that essential. important to think differently. If you don't change, it's not essential. We think it would benefit you. I think they would encourage people. Sure. It's just not a requirement of salvation. Right, right, right. Just because of this, uh, this openness to, mm-hmm. to, to Christianity. Um, f- for us, this is going to look very different of what it means to love one another. Um, it's going to be similar in the sense of we want to meet people where they're at. That, that's, a, that's a genuine challenge uh, that Christ did on a daily basis. Just ate with sinners, ate with tax collectors. He was constantly with them. For us, we're trying to do that same thing, meeting them. But we believe that the most loving thing to do is actually to engage in the truth about who God is in their life. So we will encourage, in hopefully the most gentle and appropriate timing ways, uh, 
encourage them to think more deeply about God. We believe that not just joy now, but, but potentially salvation is at stake. And so it would not be loving uh, on behalf of us to not say anything if we believe that something is getting in the way of salvation or their joy in Christ now. And so that is a huge, huge shift for us is we're actually going to love by challenging and meeting them where they're so at. So is our view of Christianity new? No, it's not even close. It's, not, it's, it's as old as you. Uh, uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> some, would say, some might some even say suggest long. even older. But. It's been around a while. But, but really, just, just to focus on these two, it, it comes down to how you read the Bible and how you view Christ. Um, and, and for us, these two ideas are not new, right? The, the idea that Scripture is completely reliable and it is the authoritative source for us, it, we don't need anything else revealed. This is, this is what Athanasius says. He says, the Holy Scriptures, given by inspiration of God, are of themselves sufficient toward the discovery of truth. God did not leave us without anything about him. We, we have what we need to know about him in order to be saved. And Athanasius wrote this because he's dealing with the same thing back then that we're dealing with today. Absolutely. Might not call nothing it progressive Christianity, but, but nothing new. Um, and, and for Christ, right? That faith is essential and Christ's death is essential. Uh, this, is, this is also from the second century, this quote. Uh, it says, for what else but his righteousness could have covered our sins? What else? In whom was it possible for us, the lawless and ungodly, to be justified except in the Son of God alone? That is our gospel. That is the center of our belief system. And it absolutely dictates the way we view God and the way that we treat other people. Um, so what can we learn from progressive Christians? Because lot. it feels like they've raised yep. what Johnny and I see as a lot of relevant issues. Yes place where we as evangelicals, we can learn something from the issues uh, they've raised. Yeah, and, and this, is why, this is why we started with asking, have you ever been in a spot where you've been vulnerable? Because mm -hmm. we believe that asking questions is not just the, the only way to, to learn, but we actually believe it's the best way for you to grow in your faith. Uh, it was absolutely essential for us to come to genuine faith by asking difficult questions about God, about scripture. And around here, we, we are going to promote in everything, children, students, here. We want people to ask questions, and we are going to celebrate that. We're convinced you will not grow if, if you do not ask for yourself. Because you can hear me say, I wasn't encouraged to ask questions growing up. Just I didn't ask him until I was in seminary. We don't think that's a healthy approach, and we're <laughs> trying to change that here. It's what we mean by oh. developmentally appropriate and encouraging young people to do this. Absolutely. And, and a big piece of this is, uh, ongoing thinking, right? There's so much that is communicated to us every week about God. And, and, and I feel like sometimes we respond in a sense where oh, we hear that God is holy and then we just move on with our life. The fact that God is holy is something that we could never fully comprehend. But, but our conviction is the more we think about all of these things about God, the, the deeper our faith and the deeper that our joy will be. So continually promoting a, a deeper thinking. And, and what we love is they got the, the, the central idea right, that it's about love. Um, they nailed it. And, and a part of this shift is they view us not as, yep. as loving. <laughs> not inaccurate always, right? No, and that's not inaccurate, right, with the way that we live and treat one another. But, but we love that that is absolutely at the center. Yeah, yep. So what concerns ought we to have about progressive Christianity as we move forward? The first thing is, guys, let's just acknowledge this is a very, very attractive theology. Yeah. 
uh, God is love and nobody goes to hell and let's just all love one another and accept everyone another. Uh, again, it's, it's very appealing superficially. Uh, but at the end of the day, they diminish the authority and reliability of Scripture. This is a big problem. If you've not checked it out, check out that. But they make themselves, what Johnny referenced earlier, is the determiner of Scripture. As I've visited with folks that hold this viewpoint, it, it's fascinating because what is your criteria for determining what you are going to accept now from Scripture and what you're not yeah. going to accept? And trying to get them to process this, right? It's just at the end of the day, it's kind of what they like and what they don't like which again is a dangerous view, diminishing God's holiness. And from that, diminishing our fallenness and the consequences of that. They had diminished the essential person and work of Jesus on the cross, what he did that is central to our faith. They diminished the essential nature of genuine faith. These are dangerous, dangerous things. They actually diminished God's grace and love. We would suggest that you want to understand God's love, it's in this. He is holy and he ought to damn us. He should. He's righteous. Everything about him says he ought to damn us. Except for the extent of his love. He sent his son. It's what the crucifixion is about. This price he paid that we might be forgiven. Because he loves us. So while they think they're expanding God's grace and love, they're actually diminishing it. The depth and magnitude of his love is rooted in the fact that we're fallen and deserve to be separated in for eternity, but we won't be. Because he loves us. And that's the biggest piece that they're missing. They're more focused on morality than salvation, but it makes sense. Because for them, salvation really isn't a problem. So what they're going to emphasize is us loving one another. And please hear Johnny and I say, we think evangelicals this hold this theology about God judging those who don't believe in Christ. We think it's right. But we think there's a lot of room for us to be more loving than we've been. It's primarily what this summer series is about. Dealing with these issues with our friends, our neighbors, the people at work. Let's be informed. Let's know what's going on. Let's be involved. And let's be nice. <laughs> you know, in my estimation, we either withdraw, wilt, or fight. You want to see church people get excited about something? Put them in a fight. Oh, yeah, let's fight the government. Let's fight this. Let's fight that. We'll rally for a fight. It's just not Jesus' way. Jesus' way was always to stand. To stand for truth. But to stand in love. So how do we help those, Johnny? Give us the summary yeah. here, those, because yeah. is this a prevalent problem? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. There's just, uh, I, I wish I knew the percentage, but the, the amount of high schoolers that, that we have and, and the amount of high schoolers that are, are there are friends 
the LGBTQ plus community is exploding. Uh, this way of thinking is exploding, and, and you clearly see how, how our kids think, uh, whether they're aware of it or not. So it, it is absolutely here. Um, but but we, and you mean here within evangelicalism within yeah, RCC? Absolutely, we, we are. This is why it's, this, it is, this it is most potentially dangerous. With. Yep. Yeah. Um, it, for me, you know, when we think back to those those times in our life where, where we were really questioning. Um, I, I think that's really a vulnerable time uh, in, in your faith. And, and like we said earlier, th- there's a lot of pain that these people have in their experiences of churches. Um, and, and, and the difficult pieces, when you combine vulnerability and, and pain, mm-hmm. uh, this is why a lot of them are not reaching healthy conclusions. And so for us, uh, what we have to do is we have an opportunity to meet these people with the love of Christ that they have not experienced yet. Um, and, and here's just a, a few ways to do this. We, we need to do a better job at listening. Um, we need to allow people to process. We, we need to ask questions to help them even think for themselves. Um, we're convinced a lot of people are just told what to believe and they just take it at face value. And so when you get to ask questions and, and help people think for themselves, um, we're convinced that maybe the truth will, will in the end win in their mind and in their heart. That, that's the hope. Um, and, and bring a ton of empathy. These people are, are hurting, but, but what we love about progressive Christianity is they don't hate God. They're actually seeking answers. They're, they're trying to figure it out. That's a good problem. They're, they are trying to figure it out, and what better people than, than those who genuinely understand Scripture and genuinely trust Christ to come, come around them. And, and then we get to love. Uh, we get to meet them in the depth of their brokenness and the depth of their confusion. We get to build a, a healthy relationship with them. It, it's challenging to disagree with somebody when you do not have a healthy relationship. Uh, I think that's why a lot of this hasn't worked in the past. Uh, we just like to bring in to any conversation some radical idea that we think about God, and we just expect them to say, wow, good point, I'm going to change my life. Hasn't worked like that very often. And so we just have an opportunity to, to be extremely gentle and extremely loving. And, and when we can, in the most appropriate time, we get to share the love of Christ. We believe that salvation is at stake for some of these people. Um, and, and so if we can, can share how much Christ loves them and how essential it is that they believe in Christ, that uh, that's an opportunity like no other for us. So if I could summarize just what you yep. said, it's build a relationship with folks where they actually trust that we love them and have their best interests at heart. That establishes the credibility yeah. for us then to share about the truth of Christ and hopefully change their thinking. Absolutely, absolutely. But we want them to trust that yeah. we actually love them. Yeah. And, and, and for, that takes time. It takes time. And, and for any of us around here, right? We believe this is in our church. We believe this is in our culture. If, if you are wrestling, if you are struggling with, with core doctrine, we, we've been there. We, we get what this process yep. looks like, and it is not easy. So, so please know we're available to come, yep. Yep. To come talk. If you're, if you're not wrestling, but you, you want to be wrestling more, we got resources that, that, that we can really help with you guys. Um, but, but, but this is essential. Thinking deeply will absolutely help your faith grow. Yeah. Amen. Um, guys, uh, we get to talk about Christ all the time, but, but, but it's a topic like this where we recognize not everybody believes that Christ's work on the cross is essential. Um, and, and it's when you think about the, the, these people, it, it helps bring a perspective back to us that without Christ, we do not have spiritual life. 
that there is not a level of gratitude that we will ever reach that, that matches what he has done for us. And, and so today, we're, we're going to celebrate together. So, so if, you, if you have this, uh, uh, join with us. Well, we're thinking about the nature, the person of Christ. We are thinking about our sin. The, the, the depth of our sin that, that, that truly separated us from God. And rightly so, his wrath remained on us until we believed in him. And so on account of Christ and the willingness of him to die for us, we eat and remember of the love of God. Jesus went to the cross. It was a beautiful picture and modeling of the depth of his love for us. But brothers and sisters in Christ, it was way more than that. We love that these progressive Christians are trying to figure it out. but they're missing the central truth. That Jesus went to the cross and if we're gonna be forgiven, he had to. That while he was on the cross, the Father poured out the wrath on him that we all deserved. Growing in our understanding of that and appreciation of that not only justifies us, but continues to transform us. We're going to drink this cup in remembrance of what Jesus did. Grateful for what he accomplished, that we might be forgiven and cleansed and our shame taken away. We might be connected to God for all eternity and never ever separated from his love. And he died because he loves us. Because there's no other way for the demands of his holy character to be met than that the punishment actually be executed. And he did it because he loves us. So we're going to drink this remembering his death and what it accomplished on our behalf and also asking that the infinite love that he has for us would fill us more and more. That it would be expressed in our relationships at home at work, at church, wherever we are. God, may your love, Christ, may your love, Holy Spirit, may your love be more fully experienced and more fully displayed. 
we drink this in remembrance of Jesus.